Hello and welcome to Oklahoma Ghost Stories and Other Phenomenon. I'm your host, Brad Heath. Tonight, our guest is Ryan White of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Ryan is a member of the Native Oklahoma Bigfoot Research Organization. But first, before we get to Ryan, let's talk about tonight's sponsor, the Military History Center and Museum in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. The museum features artifacts from as early as the American Revolutionary War to modern wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Plays on the Civil War, World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and Desert Storm. The new Native Americans in the military display does not disappoint, and they are currently expanding an exhibit on the Holocaust. Find them on Facebook or call them at 918-794-2712. Located in the Rose District in downtown Broken Arrow, it's a great day trip if you're looking for something to do this holiday season. Take a walk through history at the Military History Center and Museum in Broken Arrow. And something else on the History Center, they were featured in the Value News October 2020 as one of the more haunted places in Oklahoma. So if you're a uh, ghost hunter, somebody that likes to uh, go and, and inspect buildings, this is a great place to go because the building they are in is the original hospital in Broken Arrow. And I hear that the basement morgue is still intact. In other words, they use it as a storage room and it's still there. So it's no wonder that that building has some paranormal activity in it. And as always, if you want to follow us, uh, be sure to do it on Facebook. You can follow the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Breaker, Anchor, uh, just about anywhere you go you'll find it. And if you want to sign up for our monthly newsletter, you can do so by shooting us a message on Facebook as well. So join me as we welcome in Ryan White. Ryan, thank you for joining Oklahoma Ghost Stories tonight. Bigfoot is a topic that has fascinated me for years. The Native Oklahoma Bigfoot Research Organization is doing some important work in this cryptid field. Tell us how you got started with this organization. Yeah, so first off, I just want to say thanks for having me on your program. It's an honor to be to be here and be invited to speak on a topic that I enjoy, Bigfoot. And yeah, the way I got involved in that we call it No Bro. That's <laughs> a long name. Uh so I might you might hear me call it No Bro, N O B R O uh throughout the interview, but uh, the way I got involved, it's kind of a funny story. Um I started out independently just kind of entertaining at Bigfoot activities, I guess I'll say it. I would do kid child birthday parties. I would do parades. I would do uh, just simple pranks. People would hire me to do pranks on teenagers at their, you know, campfire birthday party or something. I would dress up as Bigfoot and kind of be a Bigfoot mascot at all these events. I've done uh, a bachelorette party. I've done, I've done all kinds of events as Bigfoot. Anyway, I, I heard about this conference in Southeast Oklahoma called the Honubi Bigfoot Conference. And so I, I contacted them and said, hey, can I come down and be a Bigfoot mascot at your festival? And they said, sure. And this was about six years ago. And down there, as I was being Bigfoot and um, posing for pictures with guests and stuff at the conference and the festival, I met our lead investigator of No Bro, and uh, we got to get to know each other over time. He invited me on one of his expeditions. He actually hosts expeditions in Southeast Oklahoma in the Honubi area. So I got to know him. We became friends. Eventually he formed 
what's now called NOBRO, Native Oklahoma Bigfoot Research, Research Organization, and uh, that's kind of how I got involved. Yeah, and I love the acronym NOBRO. It, it, it is a lot easier to say, <laughs> that's for sure. Yes, um, yes. It is a mouthful, but, uh, you know, there's all types of things on television today. You can probably turn your TV on right now and find a show where someone is is hunting Bigfoot somewhere. And what's interesting about Oklahoma, especially that southeastern Oklahoma region, the the um, is it Hanobia? We well, I've been taught that the locals pronounce it Honubby. It doesn't look like it's spelled that way, but that's how everybody says it around the area. Ho nubby. Ho nubby. Okay. So that area is very, very thick, wooded, um, mountainous, uh, tall hills, mountainous, lots of rivers and streams. There's a couple of uh, lakes down there. I know Sardis Lake is kind of in the area near Clayton. You've got the Choctaw Nation down there as well. That area is prime real estate for something like this, is it not? Oh, definitely. Uh, you described it perfectly. Um, I love I love driving down there. I, as a matter of fact, I was down there two weekends ago. Uh, I think when you were starting to contact us about this uh, show and this interview, we were actually on an expedition. We were actually around the campfire talking about uh, about you and your show. And yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a great area. I mean, they've got they've got the hiding. They've got the cover for to hide. They've got food resources. They got water resources. It's yeah, it's a perfect area. So tell me, do you have a position within the organization? Is it structured that way? Uh, yeah. I mean, yes, yes. I, I I hold a lot of, I guess, quite a few different hats. Um, probably one of my main positions. I started out as the audio visual guy, which meant I was the guy with the camera. If if we were to record stuff, uh, take video of what we were doing, I, that was me. I was holding the camera, following around and and taking video of anything we'd find. So that's, that's one job I do. Uh, another job that I started was that I, that I do in the organization is I'm the uh, website admin. So I, I post things on our website. I make sure I try to keep it up to date as best as possible. We do have a website and a Facebook page. I, I'm uh, admin on the Facebook page, co-admin. And then I'm also the, ad, the, the admin of the website. So I do that. Uh, I've also started our NOBRO database. So we do have a a growing database of Bigfoot sightings around Oklahoma. We we will take reports from other states, but since we're in Oklahoma, I mean, that's that's where we're going to be able to get to and go out and talk to witnesses and, you know, look at the area and stuff. We don't really have the budget to go out of state since this is all voluntary, but but we will take reports from other states and we do have some. So I, I uh, keep the database up to date as well. Yeah. And and tell us why it's important for you guys to create that database and have that information available at hand. Yeah, sure. Um, it's important for us uh, for, for lots of different reasons. We want to kind of maybe track where where these creatures have been, been seen and spotted and, you know, and we know what what year they were seen. And we can kind of see if uh, there's a pattern forming. Uh, we can see what time of year they're being seen in different places. Um, what our lead investigator, he likes to point out, uh, and, and when we speak at public events, is uh, he, we don't really like, we do cite it by county, but one thing is we don't want to just go by county because 
the point is Bigfoot doesn't know county lines. He doesn't know what county right. he's in right. uh, yeah. when he's being seen. So, you know, we might see, we might see uh, a, a sighting report that was, he was seen in this county one day. And then next week we, there was a sighting in this county just real close by. And it might be the same Bigfoot. So it's in the same area. So we try not to um, always uh, take a real close look at the counties or, or we try to say, hey, just because it's it's not two different Bigfoot, possibly this is the same guy in these two neighboring counties, and he's traveled this far over this amount of time. So, yeah, you can look at it all different ways when we're looking at the database. Yeah, and it sounds like it's similar to way uh, to the way that uh, wildlife, you know, some wildlife is tracked or or tagged, and and uh, you know they want to know their movements, and it and it's definitely something that I think you guys as as you grow this database, I think you'll be able to put more pieces of the puzzle together. Have, have you had a personal experience with Bigfoot? Have you actually seen what you thought was a Bigfoot or what you are for sure uh, in, in, in your experience, you know, for sure it was? Uh, the short answer is no, I've never seen or laid eyes on a Bigfoot. Uh, I have had some experiences that, I'm going to say I'm open to the possibility of it being Bigfoot, but at the time right now, I'm not laying eyes on one. I'm going to just kind of say that I'm, it's undetermined of, of my experiences, but, but I'd be happy to share the, the different experiences I've had. Yeah. I think we ought to, I think we ought to get into that. Um, is it good for you as an investigator to go into something like this? Not so much a skeptic, but at least, you know, you're, you're not just full, all in whatever happened that that has to be Bigfoot, right? I mean, you have to kind of be a true investigator and in seeking the truth and what's out there, right? Yeah, correct. I mean, no matter what, uh, there's going to be a lot of outsiders uh, that are going to just think you're crazy anyway for mentioning the term Bigfoot. Uh, you're going to, you know, be a crazy person or, they'll, you know, they'll think you're kind of weird or whatever. So, yeah, um, when you're an, an investigator, um, you have to go in it like that, like you described, because you want to maintain credibility and you don't want to jump the gun on on just saying everything was a Bigfoot when when we want to definitely confirm that it was. So tell us about your first experience. OK, my first experience. So I was on one of those expeditions in the Honubi area with our lead investigator. His name's Troy. And this was one of my, this was my second expedition. And this was, this would have been in the fall. It would have been October. I'm going to say 2015 is either 2000. Yeah. 2015. And uh, like I said, it was fall. It was, uh, it was, it was night. It was completely dark. And what kind of what, what we do, our approach is to it is we just set up a base camp, a campfire. We sit around the campfire most of the evening we try not to use a lot of technology when we do these expeditions. Um, that's kind of the base idea is technology scares them away or it keeps them out of distance. If we don't, or if we're not using our technologies, if we're not shining flashlights. We're just simply talking and sitting, sitting around a campfire. They're going to want to come in and take a closer look and feel more comfortable in doing that. So that's kind of our approach. So anyway, back to my first experience. So we're, that's kind of what we were doing. And then uh, we decided to break up into some teams and just kind of do a hike along some different trails. There, are, there are some trails cut out on this property that we that we investigate during our expedition. So there's several 
four-wheeler type trails. So one group went one way and my group, I was with Troy. It was just me and Troy. We went a different way. And so anyway, we went, we went down the path for quite a while, this trail. And all of a sudden he says, okay, let's, uh, let's, let's intercept the other group. Let's, let's get off trail. Let's do some bushwhacking and cut through and go to that other trail that they're on and meet up with them. And so we're bushwhacking and going through. It's completely dark. We're trying not to use flashlights. And we're in the middle of, of you know, the brush. And he says he's got to stop and take a leak. So so I let him uh, I let him do his business. And I'm just behind him. And it wasn't, I mean, just one, two seconds. It wasn't very long. And uh, all of a sudden, we hear this these footsteps running towards us. And uh, automatically, just instantaneously, my mind went to, this is a deer. This is a deer running at us. I don't know why the deer is running at us, but it's charging at us. It's going to run over us and trample us because, I mean, this whatever this was, was close. So I, autom- I automatically went behind Troy and I was in my mind, I'm like, this is Troy's thing. This is his expedition. I'm going to let him, I'm, he's going to be my shield and he's going to get trampled <laughs> if this is a deer running through us. So whatever, I mean, he's, he's like uh, pulling his pants up as quickly as possible, I guess. Uh, and uh, this thing is approaching us running and it takes a immediate r- to our right. It curves and runs to our right. And we just hear the footsteps running away, running away, running away. And I mean, what, from what we can tell, it was on two feet. Um, I mean, it was in the dark. Um, I mean, it got so close. I mean, it was within feet of us. I don't, I don't know exactly. It was dark. And, and, uh, his, his theory on that situation was that was what's called a bluff charge. And so this is kind of, if you don't know the term, uh, that's kind of when a Bigfoot or like a, maybe a juvenile Bigfoot, like more like a teenager child Bigfoot might be playing around with you, playing games with you. And they kind of run at you and, and try to, Maybe sometimes it might be an intimidation thing, but we, we didn't really feel intimidated, but uh, it might have been a playful thing. And so I am open to maybe that's what happened, um, but I'm not going to officially say that we were bluff charged by a juvenile Bigfoot, but I am open to it. Um, could have been something else. Not sure what. It, it did sound like two feet to me, but it could have been something else. I mean, my, my mind when it happened was I just thought of like, you know, a known animal, a deer. So, but it, it, I think it was heavier than a deer, but I'm, we can't say for certain. So that's my first experience. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, what's important about that, I think just hearing the story for the first time is, you know, we know that, that, that primates bluff charge all the time. I mean, it's, it, it, it's one of the things that they do, especially the big uh, silverback gorillas, they will bluff charge. You know, you, you've seen people who go, on these expeditions into Africa. And, and, and that's one of the things that they'll, they'll take them in and, and, and you'll see that on film. So it's interesting that you guys had that type of an experience. Were you able to go back and find that spot the next day to see if you could find any tracks or anything? Yeah. As a matter of fact, we did go back the next day and I did videotape us going back to the area. And to my recollection, uh, no, nothing, definitely no tracks. Uh, I don't think there's any signs at all of anything. I don't, I don't think we found a thing. So uh, I do have it on video and it is on my YouTube channel, um, that whole experience, that whole weekend, but no, nothing. We didn't find anything, but we did go back. Definitely. Why is tree knocking such a, a big thing that, 
anytime you watch a television show or anything that you read that, you know, tree knocking is always mentioned. Yeah. So over the years, like different Bigfoot researchers or investigators, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. That's kind of been a common, common thing that, that comes up and nobody can tell you for sure what, why that happens. But, uh, you know, the, the theories that are out there are it's communication, uh, between maybe two Bigfoot that are, you know, a little separated and they can kind of communicate somehow with the tree knocks. Maybe they're warning that people are around. Maybe they're warning that saying, Hey, I'm over here, you know, come this direction. It might be, I mean, maybe it's a, maybe it's a sign like for humans to leave the area. I don't think that's quite what it is, but there there's different theories and ideas thrown around out there, but no, we can't say for sure why that's happening, but you know, it's, it's definitely some kind of a communication going on. Right. I, I, I think you're spot on with that. I think just from, you know, a, a military background and a military standpoint, you're not going to, you're not going to yell, Hey, you, or you're not going to, you know, you, you're going to make some type of a noise that your, your other people who, who are with you will recognize and they'll recognize that as you. So what, what are some of the latest reports that no bro is getting right now in Oklahoma? Yeah, just a few weeks ago, um, we posted on our Facebook page, we got one um, in southeast Oklahoma. I don't know if you're familiar. It's it's called K-Trail. Um, I think it's called Three Sticks Monument. It's really close to Three Sticks Monument. This would have happened back in October. And there was a some kind of a uh, a worker. I can't remember what his job description was. Oh, a land surveyor. That's what he was. He was out there surveying. He was at a uh, satellite, no, 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 a uh, phone, he was at a phone tower, like a cell tower, and he was, you know, la- surveying the land up there uh, on the mountain, east of, east of Three Sticks Monument on K-Trail, and uh, he was, he was, I guess he was wrapping up for the evening, it was starting to be, to be dusk, and uh, he saw a black figure, and it was east of where he was at this cell tower and we have it marked on a map on uh, our Facebook page and in our database already it's marked and pinpointed on a map where this happened but uh he he saw a dark figure and uh he didn't know what it was but it definitely got his attention and he didn't want to stay in the area very long and he got the heck out of there and that's pretty much all there is to the <laughs> to the report we don't have a lot of details but um and i think this person was a person that you know doesn't talk about Bigfoot or believe in Bigfoot. So it was kind of hard for them just to say it was Bigfoot, but they definitely saw a dark figure walking on two legs. He did say it was around seven to eight feet tall. So someone super tall out there in the middle of nowhere, um, shouldn't be people up there, you know? So it it definitely startled him. He didn't want to stay in the area. He wasn't comfortable sticking around. Well, and, and these days, if you are someone who's uh, dressing up and running around like that, you you might want to think twice because I've seen one of the shows on television, the Gulf Coast guys, they actually are trying to hunt one. Now, I know a lot of that's probably just for TV, but um, they carry firearms and their goal is to bag one so that they can prove uh, the existence of, of Sasquatch. Uh, what What do you guys tell the public when – they want to go out and do their own hunt or do their own investigating. Do you guys offer advice to, to people who 
who want to go and kind of find out for themselves what this is all about? Yeah, sure. Um, first off, we're, we're, our official stance is we are a no-kill organization. We don't recommend going out in the woods with, with guns to try to shoot at one of these things and kill it. Um, I personally would say carry a firearm for your protection don't go out there and just try to hunt one. But if, you know, if you're feeling threatened for your life, I you protect yourself, but I would not go, go out there in a uh, intimidating manner or maybe not intimidating is the right word, but a threatening manner with your firearms, trying to go out and hunt. Um, and I know the intentions of the Gulf coast guys you're talking about and their, their intentions of their show is there's people where these things are visiting their, their private property and they're feeling scared and, and stuff like that. So they want to go out there and hunt one, like you said, and, and uh, try to try to tag one and for science, for the scientific purposes to prove, yes, these things are for real. And the only way to do it is with a body. We don't necessarily take that approach, but um, we would just recommend, you know, if, if, uh, if they're coming up around your property, uh, a good thing to do is, is to set up some, some surveillance cameras uh, around your around your you know porch area or around your whole house um, with the IR lights or whatever and and uh, that kind of keeps them away because people try to go out all the time with game cameras and you just can't you can't catch them on game cameras for whatever reason it's really hard and if you do I mean that's that's uh, you're really lucky and uh, they they made a mistake basically so um, they don't they don't like the cameras they don't want to get caught on camera for whatever reason they they don't like those. So, you know, if you have something coming around your property, we, yeah, we recommend, yeah, setting up cameras, security cameras that might kind of tend to keep them away. They don't, they don't want to be seen. So that's, that's a good way to do it without, um, without just shooting your guns, you know, and, and, uh, harming yourself or somebody else out there in the woods. (laughs) Right. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I know that, uh, it's it's next to impossible to to say without a doubt 100 percent you know this is what we're seeing but but these these bipedal creatures whatever they are bigfoot sasquatch whatever we call them they seem to be more intelligent than we give them credit for yes definitely um um you're you're exactly right they are very intelligent like going back to the um evading the uh the trail cameras, I, I, I mean, we set out all these trail cameras. People say, why don't you ever catch one on the trail cam? There's thousands of them out there. We never catch one. And that's true. Uh, they're more intelligent than we, than we give them credit. Like you're saying, they somehow, I don't know if they see this, they see the signal, they sense the signals from the cameras. I don't know what's going on, but um, they know to stay away. And um, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to catch a legitimate shot of a bigfoot on a trail camera there's stuff out there that's interesting but and then there's a lot of stuff out there that's you know they're, they're people are trying to play a trick on us or hoax us or whatever and and get clicks on the internet or whatever and that's that's not good for the bigfoot bigfoot researchers in the bigfoot world because you know people like us we want to be credible and so anyway yeah you're right they are so intelligent um and i that's all i can say about it well, one of the things too is these uh, these creatures seem to be worldwide. I mean, there's reports not just in the United States and in heavily wooded areas, 
uh, like Alaska. Um, but there are other reports around the world. There's reports in Nepal. There's reports in Indonesia. Um, are do, do you think, just in your opinion, do you think they're all kind of related in some way or, 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 or are they uniquely different and specific to their area? Yeah, in my opinion, I'm, I mean, they're going to have to be similar. Yes. Because, you know, going back hundreds, thousands of years with all the native people on the different continents kind of describing the same type of creature that's hairy and, and, uh, in the woods and, you know, tall and, and everything, um, they're kind of describing the same thing. So it's got to be something similar, but yeah, I, but, but there's the thought that even in the United States and different regions of the United States, we have different, different breeds, I guess, of, of this thing, this creature, because they all, they can have different, um, behaviors and, and, uh, some are aggressive in some areas and, and more friendly in others. So, yeah, I think, I think definitely, it's a similar creature, but yes, like you said, they're going to have specific traits to specific regions all, all over the world and in our country. Well, you mentioned Native Americans, and, and you're smack dab in southeastern Oklahoma. You're smack dab in, in, in the Choctaw Nation right there, and uh, I know you guys do plenty of town hall meetings and things. Have you heard from members of the Choctaw Nation, uh, what, what what they've seen or what their history is on on Bigfoot? Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, our lead investigator, Troy, he is he is Choctaw and uh, his background is is um, in a Native American capacity. He, uh, in the past, he's he's uh, worked and, and spoken with tribal elders all over the state. Um, he's collected that that information. And so, yes, he has he has uh, so many stories uh, from from the elders, and he's gotten a lot of knowledge from talking to the elders uh, from the Choctaw and all over the all over the state and the different the different tribes. So he's our main guy that has all that knowledge. Tell us about the town halls and the library presentations that you guys put on. Yeah, so uh, every once in a while we'll have a community contact us and want us to come out and do like a town hall meeting, and so um, we'll, we'll go to the community. Usually it'll be at a library or some venue where we can seat however many people we need to seat. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of do a presentation that's a couple hours long. We'll kind of educate that, that area that that community's maybe been having some sightings or activity. So they invite us to come out and we kind of try to educate the people and, and tell them what we know and, you know, share some of our information and uh, so we do that in that capacity, the town hall meetings. And then and then at the very end, you know, there's a Q&A questions and answers time. And, and there's a time to go around and people of the community, the area can share if they've had any encounters or stories or sightings. And that's that's always my favorite part is to hear the locals tell what they've been seeing. I, I really enjoy that. And then we also have an, another presentation that we do. We do a library presentations uh, a few years back, the Oklahoma City Metro Library System asked us to to do a presentation for kids. We actually a kids program and an and an adult program. So we we did a little presentation, a basic little presentation for kids, and kind of you know told them that you know we exist, our our group exists here in Oklahoma, and we do go out and look for these things, and here's some signs that you look for, and and the kids they're 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 awesome. You know, they, they have awesome questions that you wouldn't even think to ask. And, 
and um, they're just amazing. And then we do an adult presentation and, and kind of do the same thing as our town hall. Uh, but it's we did that uh, in a series at different libraries across Oklahoma City. So we've done both both uh, both ways of of those programs. Well, it's interesting that it's in Oklahoma City and not some of the schools in southeastern Oklahoma where they where they really embrace Sasquatch being part of of life down there. I know uh, recently a gas station called Gasquatch, I think in Idabel made uh, some national news with the Coast to Coast website, and uh, they posted a photo of it. I don't know. Have you been to Gasquatch yet? No, I never have. Uh, I, I'd love to go, but I've never <laughs> never been there. Heard about it. Well, they really – I mean, you know this from being down there. They they really embrace Bigfoot in the area, and I know a lot of the stores will sell, you know, Bigfoot decals and, and different things about Bigfoot, and uh, – I, this this gas station in Idabel, Oklahoma, has I think it's the tallest uh, Bigfoot in the state uh, out out front of their their gas station, and they call it Gas Squatch. So you got to uh, like their creativity. If if someone was going to um, report a sighting, how would they go about doing that with you? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways. Uh, probably the easiest way. Almost everybody has Facebook nowadays. Uh, we do have a Facebook page. It's literally called Native Oklahoma Bigfoot Research Organization. Uh, go give us a like. You can contact us uh, on private message uh, that way. And you can contact, you can talk to me or talk to one of the other guys uh, involved. And um, we can we can definitely record your, your sighting if you want to share it and share it to the public and share it for our database. We won't use your name. Uh, we will keep you completely anonymous. Uh, we'll keep your name out of it. We definitely want to respect your privacy and your wishes. Uh, but we'll list, we will actually sit down and listen to you. We're not going to make you feel like you're crazy or, or anything like that. Like maybe your, maybe your closest friends would, if you told them your the same story that, you know, you would tell us your, your closest friends might, treat you a lot different, but we're going to actually sit down and, and listen to you, even though we're strangers, we want to get to know you. We want to hear your story. We want to, we want to collect, we want to collect all the information you have and record it in our database. So we would be happy to sit down and talk with you about anything you're going through with, if if these are repeat sightings and you're feeling uncomfortable, we want to sit down and, and listen. And I encourage anyone who's, who's listening tonight if you've experienced something and you're not quite sure what it was, or maybe you've got some type of evidence, maybe a photo, maybe a video, reach out and contact these guys at Nobro because these are the experts. These are the guys who have been out in the field. They've done the research. They've collected the evidence, and they can tell you uh, what you should do, what you've got. You know, They can give you an expert opinion, and I know, Ryan, you guys collect evidence uh, track castings, recordings, photos, etc. cetera. Uh, tell me about your evidence collecting and some of the more interesting pieces you guys have. Yeah. So um, the best, the best evidence that I think is out there so far, you know, is, is the tracks, the castings. And we actually have some in our, in our collection, in our, in our group. Uh, it was actually just a few years ago, uh, the week prior, the days leading up to the Honubi Bigfoot conference, um, there's a young young man that uh, 
lives down there in Honubby and he has access to hunt on this property where the, where the conference is held and he hunts there. And anyway, he goes down there and he has a deer stand and he, I mean, he's very frequent through that area and he would, I mean, he probably goes down there more than anybody. And this, this individual, he, he saw some tracks and, you know, he would, he's, he's the one that would know if they'd been there or if it hadn't been there. Cause he, he's the one that walks down there, this Valley the most. He, he told uh, our lead investigator, Troy, about it, and uh, they he went down there and showed him this, I don't know, I think it was seven or eight tracks, and they casted them as, as many as they could. I can't remember how many they casted, but we do have several castings from those seven or eight tracks left in the mud, and it was none of our guys. Uh, we, we kind of did a head count, and we know that nobody was stepping down there, and, and plus these tracks were just bigger than any of our guys' footprints. So we do have a collection of, of tracks from that. Um, they're, they're amazing. Uh, I have the pictures. I have a short little video presentation of it on my YouTube channel. Um, so the, the, that we have that. We also have another guy that uh, does recordings on these expeditions. And he he's had his um, audio recorder. Actually, he set it out on a picnic table. I think this was in, this was in Arkansas. I think it's called Crystal Mine. Uh, Crystal Mine Camp or something in Arkansas. I don't know if you know where I'm talking about, but it's a it's a really, I think I think it's even I don't know if it has ghost ties, but uh, definitely has weird ties of Bigfoot activity and light, you know, weird lights and stuff. You, you know where I'm talking about? Yeah, I've heard of it. Okay, for sure. Well, they they've gone down there. One of our a couple of our guys and he laid a recorder down on the picnic table and and uh, he went back hours later to go fetch it and it was he couldn't find it and anyway i don't know how much time passed but he, he did eventually found his he found his recorder on the ground not on the picnic table where he left it and you can hear on the recording something was grabbed it and <laughs> messed with it i guess so he has those recordings which are kind of fascinating uh we have a couple of our guys in central oklahoma they they investigate in central oklahoma and they have a spot along the North Canadian River, kind of a similar thing. He set his, he actually hot, he super glued his recorder onto a piece of bark for camouflage. And he put this, he wedged this bark into a tree along the river. And he left it there overnight and maybe even over, over the weekend. And he went back and checked his recording. And same thing, something on this private property, this is not public property. Nobody goes here. Um, nobody should have seen him put it there. Nobody should have been around. But something tore this recorder off of the bark. It was super glued or hot glued. I don't know. It was glued. And uh, something tore it off the bark. And you can hear breathing, heavy breathing in the recording. And then it just kind of dropped to the ground. You hear the leaves. Uh, that's an interesting recording. Nope. So, I mean, our our thought is maybe they saw him come in and put the recorder there and, and leave the area and they went in and, and investigated themselves and kind of like, what's this thing? You know, I, it's not a, it's not for sure evidence of Bigfoot, but it, with the context, um, we're kind of leaning that, I mean, I mean, somebody would have had been spying on him on this private property and, and known to go to that exact spot and know the recorder was wedged in that tree. So, I mean, that's, that's just kind of fascinating. So, those are just a few examples of some of the evidence that we have and been collecting.
Yeah, and those recordings, that's that's very interesting because, like you said, someone would have to be spying on them or watching them to know exactly where to go on that tree to be able to get to that recorder. And that's not, you know, wild animals aren't aren't really that concerned with what you're doing at the tree. They're more concerned with you and where you're going and what you're doing. So very, that's very, very interesting. Ryan White with uh, Native Oklahoma Bigfoot Research Organization joins us right now, the No Bro Group. You can go to Facebook and you can find them on there. Be sure and uh, uh, like their page. And if, like I said earlier, if you've ever experienced anything, you caught something on a trail cam, you caught something on on film, you're not quite sure what it was. Maybe you were taking a drive uh, through the Kayamishi and, uh, you know, for the fall with all the leaves changing and everything, and you saw something on the side of the road, hit them up and let them know. And they will put you in the database uh, and, and you can actually help these experts in this field as they continue to investigate. Let me ask you this, Ryan, and you may not know, but I'll, I'll throw it at you anyway. With all of the people who are moving around and in the woods and hunting deer and everything, why do you think no one has come across an actual carcass, a body of a Bigfoot? Um, yeah, that's 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 a great question. That's thrown ar- thrown around out there a lot in the Bigfoot world. Yeah, I I mean the thought is these things bury their dead. They like like us, they bury. And so I mean if if one of them dies, they they find a spot, pick a spot, I guess that that's really remote and not going to be easy to find and they they bury their dead um i i don't know the for sure answer that's that's a great mystery that's i mean that's why i love this subject all the mysteries of it so i mean can't really say for sure that's kind of the the uh, answer going around that's the most accepted answer um but yeah it's that's total mystery about about that well and it would make sense i mean if if you know you're you're going to bury your 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 loved ones or your your people that would make sense that no one's coming across you know bodies just laying on the riverbank somewhere um so so i think i think the answer is probably correct even though we don't know 100% for sure that that's the correct answer it does make a lot of sense so let me get really weird with you for a second <laughs> because th- there there are some people out there and and i'm not knocking this belief but there are some people out there that believe that 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 Bigfoot transverses different planes. They can go from one plane to the next. Maybe you know, maybe it's like a a, a timestamp from another period. What you know, however you want to explain it. There are people who believe that these these beings have that ability, and there's some that even go as uh, as far to say that they're uh, related to uh, UFO sightings and and things that occur with with ufos where do you personally kind of stand on all of that and 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 what's your take about bigfoot's possible potential ability to be able to to transverse back and forth from one plane to another well first off i'll say this um if they could do what you're describing um that that actually makes great sense of why we can't catch these things that would make great sense um but my my personal belief is i i don't i don't i don't go into that that side of it uh the, the ufos and stuff like that um 
now like i'm saying if if that if that were the true and that were the case i mean that definitely make could make sense of how they avoid us and we can't you know catch them and and that kind of thing and find them and cite them and all that but um i personally don't think that um i've all as a kid you know ever since i watched my very first one i thought they were a type of ape an ape-like creature uh watched my first documentary uh, as a as a teenager um and now meeting troy and and being with a group um he he was involved in a in a project called the sasquatch genome project with dr melba ketchum and that name is is controversial in the bigfoot world uh she's actually this is a this is a person who's actually studied the dna of different samples submitted to her and, and she's out of texas and these are samples submitted to her from all over the country different different bigfoot researchers from all over the country are sending in samples to her and this was a few years back and uh from her from her findings of, of looking at all these dna samples she's saying that it's some kind of uh, hybrid human uh, that it is part human or a human ancestor to us and um she actually has a, a name for this thing and a, and a thing called Zoobank. If you actually Google Zoobank, you can actually type this in. It's called Homo sapien cognatus. I think, I believe that's the name. And um, you can, you can do that uh, on Google. And she actually, she actually uh, has that published on Zoobank. And they actually held a, a press conference a few years back in Dallas and tried to tell the world about, about this and their findings. And they kind of got shut down and, kind of laughed out, you know, out of the, out of the room or whatever, whatever expression you want to say. And uh, it's a controversial subject. I will say that, but I think these things, uh, if they're not an ape uh, from Dr. Ketchum's findings, they're, they're, they're some, they're part human, some kind of ancestor to us. Um, but I, I don't get into the, the uh, UFO stuff. Not yet not until we maybe see some more actual, evidence of that so but but i can i can see how people would think that way i mean i i don't want to i don't want to be disrespectful to somebody because i don't have all the answers so i can't sit, sit here and say i know more than you because i i don't uh, and and I, and I like to be treated that way too uh, from other people I, I don't want people to laugh at maybe my ideas and and that, that actually happens in the bigfoot world we got we got people that uh you know on facebook or whatever if you try to share something they they try to shame you and say you don't know what you're doing or they know more than you about the about the subject. It's very controversial. Like I said, the whole Dr. Melba Ketchum thing is a controversial, touchy subject in the Bigfoot circles. Uh, but I, sure. I, I tend to uh, I tend to think that, yeah, it's going to be hum uh, ancient ancestor of humans or half human hybrid, maybe half ape. I, I, I don't know. But uh, I don't I don't get caught up in the. And that other stuff you were describing, the the uh, UFO stuff. Well, the part human aspect of it makes sense to me as well, because, uh, you know, for for a long time, they've been trying to find that that, quote, missing link between us and and uh, human uh, type beings that came before us that we know existed because we have fossil record of it. And and listen, the Internet's made everybody a keyboard cowboy, so I wouldn't. 
you know, I mean, you guys know that. I mean, you, you probably deal with it as much as anybody else, but there's always some other expert out there telling you that you don't know what you're talking about and they've never been out in the woods for, for five minutes. So, and, 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 you know, another thing too, is that in cryptozoology and, and, and just science in general, it's almost like a given that when anybody comes out with something new, they got to slam them, you know, they got to tell them it's wrong. It doesn't make sense. It's, that's not possible. So I think it's important that people come forward with, with, with their theories and their hypothesis on what something is, because that only opens someone else's mind to another possibility. And maybe it connects the dots for someone who is doing this research as well. And, you know, that, that that's only going to help this process as a whole uh, moving forward. If, if somebody wanted to become a member of NoBro, what do they have to do and who do they contact? Yeah, so um, kind of the same thing. I go to our Facebook page, and uh, that's the NoBro, NoBro Facebook page. Send us a private message. Tell us that you're interested in joining the group. How we used to do it was kind of the way I – I got into the group was you went on one of Troy's weekend expeditions. You get to know him over time, know the other members that are already in the group over time. And, and uh, you kind of, you kind of just eventually you're in the group. Uh, but that's not how it quite is anymore. Uh, now we're kind of, we're doing things a little bit more officially and a little bit more um, uh, planned and, and, and with a little bit more, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say organized. <laughs> um so yeah, yeah. So now what we do is we actually have a weekend where we where we bring in a, somebody that says they're interested in joining the group, and and we did this last June, as a matter of fact, and we brought in a couple of people that were interested, and we actually did a whole weekend of classes. We we met in Honubi where we do the expeditions, and um, we went out Friday night and kind of did a nighttime thing. Then Saturday, in the morning, we we did several different classes. We did investigative photography. That's the class that I teach. We did a Bigfoot trap casting class. Uh, we had a big, big name person come in, Harvey Pratt. He's very well known in the Native American community. He taught us uh, how to how to interview people, interviewing techniques, great questions to ask. He actually taught us the tri- whole tribal culture uh, because we are it, it's in our name, Native Native. Uh, we do have Native people in our group, but you don't have to be Native. I'm I'm not native uh, myself, but but we have native people, and that's the basis of the group. and And so, if you're going to go out to some to some Native Americans, um, you need to know how to approach them. You need to know where they're coming from and how to how to speak with them and kind of go through go through uh, their process um, and not be disrespectful as you as you talk about them and you're just demanding all this information from them. They, you know, natives can see that as a sign of disrespect. So you need to. You need to approach them in a certain certain way that's respectful to them, and so we kind of we kind of learned that in in the uh, weekend we we took classes about that, which is really interesting. And so that's that's basically what you do. You take you take those classes, and uh, we we uh, we give you a certificate, and you're in the group. So so that's kind of how you go through that process now. And let me ask you about this because it was announced. That's uh, probably been over a year now. Uh, Rob High is a producer, and he's actually going to do a movie project, which will be uh, part of it will be filmed here in Oklahoma, called the Kaimishi Project, and it is about Bigfoot uh, with a twist. But uh, do do things like that help or hurt what you guys are doing? 
That's a great question. Um, I mean, any any movie or production that comes out, you're you're bringing you're bringing interest to the subject. Um, so I I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm going to say that it it can it can help. Some there's there's an old expression: any press is better than no press at all, even if it's bad press. So um, I mean, as long as we're getting people interested and and uh, we're able to to talk to these people and educate them before you know, um, they go out and hunt, hunt Bigfoot or try to hunt them down and stuff like that out in the woods and shooting, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, any kind of project, uh, or any movie about Bigfoot, if they're, if it's generating some, some curiosity and some interest and they contact the right people and go about it the right way, I think it's good for the, good for the topic and the subject. Right. And, and if you've seen the, uh, poster that they put out for it, they've already put out one preliminary uh a, a poster for it i encourage everyone go find it on facebook it's called the kaimishi project um in reference to the kaimishi mountains here in oklahoma it definitely looks like like a pretty good uh pretty good movie when they get it done speaking of movies how about this hard-hitting question what's your favorite bigfoot movie oh wow that's a great question um well i really like harry and the hendersons as, as a kid i loved harry well, and the hendersons <laughs> Right, I was gonna say, let me let me throw one out there, and 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 Harry, and I mean the, of course it was made years ago, and and for those who are are too young and have never seen it, you probably should go check it out because it is a a pretty funny and pretty a uh, pretty good movie. Um, in fact, uh, Jonathan Lithgow, who's who's in the movie, um, said that it was one of his favorites to make. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm right there with you. I think Harry and the Hendersons is a great movie. There's another one I, I really like um, that I've seen at the Honolulu Bigfoot Conference. We we watched it on a Friday night. We put it on the big projector, and we actually had the actors, some of the cast, come to the conference and speak. And so I, I really like this movie. It's called Something in the Woods, and it it is a kind of I guess I don't want to be disrespectful, like like a lower budget film. Um, but I, I really like it because what they did was they took they took an actual they based it on an actual sighting. Now in that movie it's based in Texas, but the actual sighting I think was was in Oregon and it's based on like the, the cowman. They called him the cowman because the little boy that saw the Bigfoot first, that was the name he gave him. He said it it was a cowman, a big cow standing up. And so he was like the cowman. So if you if you look up or Google like cowman, Oregon uh, Bigfoot or something like that. I bet you can find that uh, that exact story and that exact sighting. But that's what the whole movie's based on, and uh, I, I like that it's based on some truth, some uh, an actual sighting. So something in the woods. I recommend it. Well, now I've got uh, some homework for the Christmas break here that we're coming up on pretty soon. So yeah, definitely, I'll definitely check that one out, and we definitely want to have you back on in the future because we didn't get all of your stories, all of your encounters and things. We want to touch on that some more somewhere down the road. Maybe once we get into 2021, um, we'll, we'll, we'll have you back on. So last question before we get out of here, what's the website and where do people go to find you and find the uh, no bro crew? Yeah. Great question. Um, it's a really long website. I will give it to you. Um, it's, it, it was a free, it's a free website. Uh, I may, I, I designed it, made it for free on Google. So it's a Google site, but it's HTTPS colon slash slash sites.google.com 
slash site slash native OK Bigfoot research. Give it to us one more time. Sure. So it's HTTPS colon slash slash sites dot Google dot com slash site slash native OK Bigfoot research. And if they want to find you on Facebook, where do they go? Just go to Facebook and search Native Oklahoma Bigfoot Research Organization. And also on that Facebook page, you will find in the About section a a link to our website. That might be easier to find it. Very good. Ryan, I I appreciate you coming on tonight. Like I said, we're going to have you on again in the future. And uh, you can catch us up on the latest reportings and sightings of uh our our native bigfoot here in oklahoma and then who knows maybe we'll uh meet up sometime and maybe i'll get out in the woods with you guys fight off the ticks and and uh, see what we can find hey sounds good thank you so much for inviting me to be on your program and we appreciate everybody listening tonight we have a lot of listeners who are not just in the united states i want to say thank you to everybody in japan mexico canada We've even got some fans in Romania and Sweden. We appreciate you guys tuning in as always. And uh, on a quick personal note, uh, a big shout out to uh, Big Sean Madigan. Sean is uh, part of a duo, uh, the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast. Uh, Just a great podcast. Uh, Big Sean Madigan passed away last week. Sifu Alex Richter was his partner on the broadcast. Uh, uh, No Alex and and um, it was an untimely death, but the dudes of Kung Fu will live on. And uh, we just want to say to Sean's family and his son and everybody over in New York that we're thinking about you guys and, uh, you know, prayers, prayers to the family. If your business is interested in sponsoring an episode of Oklahoma Ghost Stories for as little as $20 an episode, shoot us a message on Facebook. We'll take care of it. We'll, we'll get you in. We'll get you in the newsletter as well. And then be sure and follow the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, anywhere you go to get your podcast fixed. We're probably there. So uh, hit, hit us up, give us a like, give us a follow, and we're on Patreon as well. So if anybody's interested in helping uh, keep, it, keep the uh, broadcast alive, you can uh, donate a monthly, monthly donation to us, and we would certainly appreciate that. So for Ryan White of No Bro, I'm...